Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us once again today. Uh, I, it's my pleasure to have you with us. You know, we talk about a wide variety of topics, and we have guests that come back, and one of my favorites is back with us today. Uh, Vince Mastrovito has been with us many times. He's with Prometheus Partners in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and his firm is a business coaching and exit planning firm. They do a great job, and if you haven't had a chance, go back through our archives and look up uh, Vince's past interviews with us. Last time we talked about the four C's, and it was, it was a really a great interview, really great knowledge. And Max has with him a guest today, uh, excuse me, Vincent has with him a guest today, Max Fryer, who's joining us with Calder Capital uh, of Grand Rapids, Michigan as well. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining, joining us, Vince. Thanks for bringing a guest. Hey, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having us uh, both on here today. Really, uh, really appreciate being able to, uh, to visit with you. Well, it really helps us uh, to expand our breadth of knowledge for our listeners. And Max, welcome. Uh, I've uh, I've not met you yet, but uh, I've heard a little bit about you and Calder Capital, and I'm really pleased to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and, and, yeah, thank you, and I'm very happy to be here. So, uh, Vince, why don't you start us off? Uh, give our listeners a little bit of a sense of what you and Prometheus do uh, do for a living, and then tell us a little bit about Max um, and. Um, and what you know about him. Yeah, so uh, Prometheus Partners is a uh, business coaching and uh, exit planning uh, a firm. Uh, we spun it off from a wealth management firm that I had owned for well over 20 years, and we successfully transitioned out of there. And so we are spending 100% of our time educating owners on the key performance indicators and people think issues that they need to be focusing on in order to successfully transition out of their business. Uh, I met Max about three or four years ago through a, a, an investment banker that I knew, and we were looking to sell a business, and he felt, uh, based on the parameters that we were working with, that, uh, that Max would be a great fit, and he has been, uh, and we've been working together for at least for that amount of time, and we've just really um, kind of come together on some other uh, resources and some other uh, projects that we are working on collectively together. So um, he just does a great job in that area of helping business owners actually do the transaction part as a business broker, and uh, it's worked out really well. Well, I'm really excited to hear hear from you, Max. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your background and Calder Capital and the types and sizes of businesses you serve. Uh, yeah, thank you. So I started in the uh, small mergers and acquisitions industry about 14 years ago, 
uh, started with a, a local Grand Rapids, Michigan-based firm here, and uh, they specialized in, in fam- primarily family-held, uh, closely-held businesses, mostly manufacturing, service, and distribution-type businesses. Uh, the transaction sizes generally ranged from one to ten million. So these were, uh, you know, not large Wall Street businesses, uh, also kind of not mom-and-pop businesses, so more kind of lower middle market. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and fast forward, I, th- those are still primarily the types of businesses that I work with, um, you know, family businesses typically where the owners do not have a natural successor to their business. And so they need to, A, understand how to value their business, how the deal structure is likely going to look, the type of buyer that um, you know, would be the best fit for not only their financial future, but also for their employees, uh, for the continuity of the business and uh, their legacy. And then you know, we are tasked then with going out and, and making those matches and, and bringing the transaction you know, to the finish table or to the closing table. Well, that size business is the fabric of America, right? I mean, that, those are the kind of businesses that employ most of the employees, uh, pay most of the taxes. And the, the other problem is there's so many of them, and they're all, a lot of them are, are wondering, you know, I know how I got into this business. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. So it's important to have as your, your exit plan, even if you have a potential successor in your business, it's important to have a backup plan. So, Max, you provide a valuable service. Um, and Vince, your firm, so your firm helps businesses prior to coming to see Max to be, have a better chance at, uh, at going to sale, right? Yeah, exactly. So there'll be many cases where the, the business owner may want to sell, but they're just not really, they're not attractive enough yet to sell or the business really isn't ready to be transitioned to a new owner. And so what we will do is we'll come in and, and work with them for a little bit and get them up to a certain level or to the max level that they want to go. And then we would uh, circle back with Max and let him and his team go ahead and, and complete the, the transition. And then we, do, we still kind of work with the owner in, in bits and pieces through the process, but uh, Max will take the, that part of it and, and run with it. Yeah, Vince and his firm have been, you know, very good partners because, um, you know, as you may imagine, and as you know, Bill, from your experience, too often business owners don't do any preparation and they wait for kind of a catastrophic life event or some major customer loss to make that decision to sell the business. Well, the problem is that they're they're selling it uh, in weakness. And if you take the time, uh, and it doesn't have to be a tremendous amount of time, but if you take the time to work with Vince, prepare your business so that not only from a, you know, a kind of a human capital and change management perspective, they're ready to transition, but the financials are cleaned up. Um, the owner has an idea of the tax ramifications of the sale. They have an idea of what they need to retire. That's really positioning the business very well to you know, come to us you know, to find that buyer that can help meet those parameters. So said another way, there's a there's a much better chance that you're going to like what you see and have to work with if they've been working with Vince and his firm for a little while, right? Uh, quite frankly, I would um, I would choose a candidate that comes from Vince over someone off the street any day of the week. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's talk because about that. Because they know so what some... to expect. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they've taken all of the myths that they may have heard, like my friend sold for eight times EBITDA or something. You know, <laughs> they've, heard, they've taken all of those myths and they've dispelled a lot of those and come back down to reality and really prepared. Let's talk about that, though. The, the people that come into your door just cold off the street, they hear about you, Max, and they come to you. What, what do you think the odds are of a business owner coming in from the numbers that you see 
that they're going to have a successful outcome and going right to the market without any planning in the future, in the, in the past, rather? Uh, you know, it, it, there's so many factors that, that play into that, um, that it, it, it's really tough to say on a, on a percentage basis. I mean, uh, I'd say probably at least 80% of the business owners that I initially meet with and go through a valuation exercise, you know, they're, they're surprised that their business isn't worth more than what I, what I tell them. So mm-hmm. kind of right out of the gate, if they had been working with someone like Vince, you know, three or four or five years ago, and, and they could establish that baseline valuation, they would, they would head into that process at least not being disappointed out of the gate, right? Uh, and so, you know, I would say that there's a couple of factors that can really position the business for sale well, uh, and, and the amount of planning that's gone into that can vary as well. But, I mean, if, if the business is, is growing, if it's profitable, if the owner has taken steps to remove themselves from the, the day-to-day operational oversight of the business, that goes a long ways. And, and unfortunately, most owners that don't do planning don't understand what impacts value until it's too late. Good point. Very good point. That uh, that focusing on those things that improve the value and looking at it from a buyer's perspective, wouldn't you say? Uh, absolutely. And, and I think probably the, the biggest item that affects marketability and therefore affects valuation, because if you think about it, I mean, if we're representing a seller, you know, ideally we want to take them into a limited auction style process where there's multiple buyers that make offers on the business. For, for owners that are working 60, 70 hours a week and they manage all the customer relationships and they have all the kind of intellectual know-how in their head, it's very hard to get multiple buyers to submit offers and be very enthusiastic about buying that business because they are naturally averse to the risk inherent in losing that owner's presence, right? So taking those steps to, to transition, to delegate, to plan, to document processes and document some of the know-how can really, really go a long way for those owners. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about that um, I, I don't think uh, many sellers think about this, but there's a huge competition out there these days for a buyer's dollar in the world of franchise opportunities, which are, of course, well-organized business-in-a-box kind of businesses. Um, do you think uh, most uh, sellers would do, do well to work with someone like Vince and create that kind of franchise-looking feel? Not to create a franchise business, but processes, systems, everything in a box. Like you said, financials are in good shape. The owner's not so important to the business. Um, do franchises take a bite out of uh, or create competition in the uh, in today's marketplace for a, a seller of a business? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure that they do because I guess there's just a, a you know there's a, there's a complete universe of businesses that are for sale and franchises make up part of that. I think the appeal of a franchise. And again, I'm not using any data to back up. This is just a feeling what I've, that I've gained over years of, of, of observation is that a franchise can be very appealing, particularly to those owners that uh, you know, do not excel at kind of sales or marketing because they take care of the branding. They take care of the, you know, how to go through the sales process. They actually help those owners that are maybe more technically inclined. For example, I'm thinking, you know, disaster mitigation or um, janitorial services, uh, sign manufacturing, that kind of thing. Uh, they, those appeal to technically inclined people that will do a good job at the service side, but oftentimes they're not too hot on the sales side. So I know I'm, I'm getting off a little on a tangent here. I don't really sense with the businesses that we work with in kind of the one to $10 million range that there's a lot of 
the buyers for those businesses, and these are, again, small, privately held, family-owned businesses, they're usually not the same buyers that are looking at franchises. And I don't necessarily know the reasons for that, but that, that's, that's what my gut tells me. I, I think I agree now, with the you other, there. The other, I did, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Vince. I wanted to clarify, too. So you know, to work with someone like Vince or an exit planning company to make your company more like a franchise, if the inference there is to, to structure it, to brand it properly, to put documentation in place, to even have like a, like as a franchise or serves as additional oversight from an operational and a financial perspective, I mean, all those are great things. So the more you can make your business like a franchise, I guess the better. Yeah, maybe more as a metaphor in that marketplace than anything else is, you know, what you're you're up against is somebody that comes in with a, a big box of uh, a business in a box and, and plops it on the table and says, this is your this is what you need to look like right now. It's just a scattered mess. So what are some of the common incorrect assumptions that a seller or buyer makes when they're working with you, Max? Uh, you know, again, valuation is probably the number one most misunderstood mm-hmm. part of, of this process. And unfortunately, that's a, that's a big one to misunderstand. So I think that's one. I think one is also deal structure. I think that most sellers, and rightly so, they expect that they're going to get a check and they're going to be able to walk away from the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and that is generally not true. And I think if you just look at how most Act, most small acquisitions are, are financed, uh, which is generally what we see is through the SBA process. Uh, usually a seller note, albeit a small amount, is part of almost every transaction that we deal with. Now, we do do all-cash deals from time to time. What you find in an all-cash deal is usually the valuation is going to be even lower because when a buyer writes a check, they're taking 100% of the risk. And oftentimes the buyer and the lender and if you're with the SBA, the government likes when the seller is willing to keep some skin in the game. And I think that's oftentimes an undesired surprise uh, by sellers. And I think the other thing is that a lot of sellers expect when they make the decision that they want to sell their business that it's going to happen right away. Um, the sale process on average for a small business under, you know, with, with a value of, say, under 500000 and that would make up the vast majority of businesses in America – uh, it's seven months just just to sell it from so from the beginning of maybe working with a broker or working with a buyer to when you're going to sign the purchase agreement and receive the the funds is going to be seven months on average and that that doesn't take into account the period of time that the owner needs to stay on board to transition so I usually tell owners that the moment you make a decision that you want to hire us or you want to sell your business and you, you take an action to do that. Plan on there being about 18 months before you're really going to be able to absolutely walk away. And that varies depending on the business, depending on the planning. But in general, I would say that's a good rule of thumb to look at. That's great information for our listeners to have. So, uh, uh, seller, let's talk about uh, what's a reasonable down payment to ask for if there's going to be a seller note involved? What, what do you think a minimum people yeah. should ask for is? Yeah. So um, I usually use, again, SBA guidelines because, you know, most businesses that we deal with, the, the purchase price is, is sub $5 million and, and an SBA loan is perfect for that type of, of acquisition. It's called SBA 7A. If your listeners want to Google that, they can read a whole bunch of great information online about that. Uh, so the rules change. Uh, and actually, I think more favorably, favorably towards sellers uh, in 2018 uh, the SBA is now requiring that buyers bring 5% of their own you know, personal cash liquidity to the transaction. Uh, the SBA-backed lender will finance 90%, up to 90%, and therefore the, the seller you know, can generally consider that they might have to carry only a 5% note. 
uh, which is pretty good. Uh, if you think about the, the previous rules were that the bank would f finance no more than 80% of the deal. So the seller's uh, now taking on much less risk with this new structure. Uh, so that's SBA-specific. Now to deviate away from there and say what, what as a seller is the, the most I should feel comfortable financing, I typically don't feel comfortable if the seller is being able to finance you know, more than 20 or 30% of, of the deal. Again, it depends on the dynamics of the deal. Uh, you'll have situations where there's high customer concentration, you know, 70 or 80% with one customer. Generally, in those type of transactions, the seller is asked to finance, you know, maybe considerably more because of the risk built in in that situation. Excellent guideline. Uh, I, I've just heard, I just heard uh, one situation where the, uh, the buyer uh, wanted to put down 35% and wanted the seller <laughs> to finance the rest. And it's just like, wow, that's a that's a lot of risk. Why? What? Have you ever heard the saying, "The first check cashes, the second one's late, and the third one never comes"? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have heard that. It's, you know, it's more like of, the thing I relate to is, you know, I'll buy your, you know, I would buy most businesses maybe sight unseen at that type of structure because you're more or less using the business's cash flow to finance the, the transaction. Right. And to your point, with your little phrase right there, I mean, if if the business owner doesn't run the business correctly, uh, you know, they're not going to get paid by the customers. And if, you know, if people aren't getting paid, they're not going to pay who they, their, their debtors, right. Or their creditors. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would bet, generally you, never, never, never take that deal. Never take that deal. Okay. Good advice. Okay. In the last couple of minutes we have, this has gone by way too fast. I apologize for that, but that's time. Uh, what is, is this a good time to buy or sell a business now and where, where we sit now in, uh, um, in June of 2018? Um, I think this is a uh, if if there is a such thing as balance, which I, I would I would argue that maybe that doesn't really exist in life. I would say we're getting pretty close to it, or we're in it right now. Uh, the past, you know, post recession, you had a lot of people scrambling just to get back to break even to where they were before. I think you had a couple years there from maybe 2013 to 2017 where profits were back at or above where they were historically. Business owners were kind of lining their pockets. They were doing well. They didn't have the same type of anxiety they had had for the previous five years. And I think we're running into a little bit of maybe bull run exhaustion. So the economy is good. Interest rates are still low. M money is still really good for most business owners. But in demand for services and the stress and now they're kind of maybe – post-retirement advanced ages, you know, they are starting to say that lifestyle is more important than continuing to make this amount of money. We're seeing more sellers come to the market now. And again, I, I'm a microcosm. We're primarily West Michigan, Northern Indiana. But I would imagine that this exists across the country. I feel like more sellers of quality businesses are coming out than have in the last five years. Uh, and buyer demand is still very strong because to a certain extent, where are you going to put your money? I mean, the stock market's all over the place. It's been very good, but it's, there's been a lot of volatility. You don't want to put your money in CDs. Um, you know, you don't want to put your money in cryptocurrency. I mean, wh where are you going to invest? Small business is an excellent place to invest right now. And interest rates are, are ticking up more rapidly, but I think that historically they're still low. And so we have this kind of unique opportunity at this unique time when more sellers are coming out and buyers are saying, okay, now is the time to deploy our capital because we don't want to do it when interest rates are 7 and 8%. So it's a good time it, now. What still, about the next 12 to 24 months, Max? 
I, you what's, know, your crystal, what's your crystal ball say for I a don't year have a or two years ball. from now? Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I tend, you know, as opposed to the market, and if you go on CNBC or something, there's always these doom and gloom stories. I tend to be more mm-hmm. optimistic. I mean, I think that we have we have clarity with tax reform. Um, I don't know what the what the tariff situation, trade thing is going to do, but I think that you have at least with the, the people we work with, you know, distribution companies, manufacturers, they feel pretty bullish about policy and about making things in America. And, you know, interest rates, again, are going up. They're, they're going to probably continue to go up at an accelerated pace, you know. But I don't – I still think we've got a ways to run on this before we hit a hit a, a anything that would be considered maybe a significant slowdown or slump. That's just my gut feeling. Great input. Uh, Vince, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think that that really um, kind of sums up what we think also is what's happening out in the market. I think, um, you know, to Max's point about valuation, I do think that that is really an understood uh, number. And how do you get that valuation number to sustain itself over a period of time? Uh, and then what are some of, like we talked about in our last conversation, Bill, is what are your intangible assets, Your you know, your four C's? And how do you make sure that, you know, you can bring back value and, and, and kind of tell your story to a potential buyer? And I think that that's really what business owners really need to be focusing on to help them uh, successfully transition to the next phase of what they want to do in their lives. Great information, guys. Unfortunately, we're out of time. But uh, Vince uh, Mastrovito, you can you can find his website at Prometis Partners, and that's P-R-O, like pro, M-E-T-I-S, partners.com and max what's the best way for our listeners to find out about your firm uh yes yeah, so probably the best way is our website which is uh, just calder so that's c-a-l-d-e-r-g-r.com so caldergr.com that would be the best place to see our opportunities and learn more about our company what a great team the two of you are and what a great uh, volume of information you bring to our listeners. I really appreciate it, and I invite you back anytime because we barely scratch the surface today. So thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to the next time we get a chance to speak. Thanks, Bill. Really appreciate thank it. You. Yes, thank you. Or we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please don't go away. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 